This is Cinema Degeneration. I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. We're not that different, Dick. I do not enjoy killing, but it's my job. Someone has to do it. Maybe. Me. The hobo with a shotgun. He didn't just eat their bodies. He ate their souls. And I joined in. I'm gonna sleep in your bloody carcasses tonight! I suggest aspirin for the headache. What headache? I'm surprised you don't have a grenade launcher. Couldn't get a permit. Because I cut off his legs. And his arms. And his head. And I'm gonna do the same to you. All those moments will be lost in time. Like tears. <laughs> the moment he stops, the terror starts. I swear I didn't kill those people. I got prayed by this guy who picked up hitchhiking. Do you believe me? Rated R starts Friday, February 21st in a theater near you. Alrighty, folks, welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, to Cinema D Generations Rucker Hauer Appreciation Month. And we have probably the pinnacle uh, acting role for Rucker Hauer. I would, uh, I would uh, say is probably a legit, the most singular creepiest role that Howard has ever played. He's the titular character in The Hitcher from 1986. And joining me this evening uh, for this little review that we're doing is my good buddy Scott Tepperman. How the hell are you? What's up, man? What's up? What's up? Very excited. Yeah, uh, we're doing, I mean, I, 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 t- I tend to say this a lot, like this is the grandest role of them all. You know, I have s- certain movies that I love, you know, but like certain roles are synonymous with a certain character. And I know a lot of people uh, tend to relate Rucker Howard to his, his Blade Runner character. But when I think of Rucker Howard, the first thing that pops up into my mind is the Hitcher. I remember seeing this at 10 years old, with my mother and grandmother. And it's scaring the bejesus out of all three of us. <laughs> and as well it should. I, I, I have still yet to this day ever picked up a hitchhiker in my lifetime. And I can guarantee you that this movie is the reason why that I have a, uh, the theory that I never pick up a hitchhiker. <coughs> Excuse me. Right? Exactly. Because it's just in the back of my head. I know it's this movie logic, but I'm you know messing with my mind. But I, I'm, I'm not picking up a hitchhiker. I don't care how sweet and innocent they might look or how in trouble they might look. And maybe that makes me the asshole. But exactly. I'm not opening myself up for that. Now, uh, can you remember the first time you know, that you saw The Hitcher? Um, I do. I do remember, actually. 
I didn't see it in the theater, but I saw it on video. Um, and it was actually one of the first films I believe that I rented when I got my first VCR. Oh, nice. It wasn't, it wasn't the first one, but it was like, I think it was Attack of the Kill Tomatoes, Tex Chainsaw Massacre, Night of the Living Dead, and The Hitcher. That was That's like, an eclectic mix, man. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but before we get way off into it, uh, I almost got ahead of myself here. For those of you who don't know, and if you don't know the, the this movie by heart, I, I don't know if I even want to know who you are, because this movie is so fucking good. But I will give you folks at home the quick IMDb synopsis, which is as follows. A young man who escapes the clutches of a murderous hitchhiker is subse- subsequently stalked by the hitcher and framed for his crimes. And I, I feel like that's pretty, pretty fair. Most of the time I feel like either A, they give away too much or they're too simplistic. This one's short, a little size. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's it's a, an elaborate game of uh, cat and mouse, I think. I think this is probably one of the grandest games of cat and mouse ever. No, oh, definitely. You know? It definitely is. And Rooker Hauer, I mean, you know, got, there's a reason why we're celebrating his body of work here, you know. <laughs> For appreciation month but he's so good in this yeah, you know and when he gets introduces uh the character's name is john Ryder, which i always wonder you know if that was his real name did you ever have a thought on that or whether or not he was really telling the truth was his name john Ryder, or was he just fucking with this kid from the beginning yeah i just basically thought john was a base that you know john was just a pretty basic name unassuming name and rider i just thought because rider on the storm and he was a killer that rider on a storm lyrics about if you pick give this man a ride sweet family will die rider on the road john rider yeah i just thought that that was kind of a, alluding to something like that well and i do know a little bit about the production of this the uh director was robert Harmon, and the the author of this the screenwriter was eric red who was young 20 years old at the time mm-hmm the and man he yeah he's written a lot of great stuff he you know my but, favorite movie to life which is near dark you know say oh that's right near dark yeah i was gonna say by far the best horror film for a second i was just like is he gonna say body parts but like that's right it's not it's not near, it's yeah. near dark. and then he pretty much did those back to back i know mm-hmm. he did a short in between the two i can't remember mm-hmm. i think it was called gunman's blues that okay. he did early on but, uh, you know, he did Body Parts, he did uh, Bad Moon, which is one of the few werewolf movies that Bad I actually Moon like. It's a really good movie, and Michael Pare was great in that movie. Oh, he was really good in that movie. Yeah, that's a good and, one. And you know me, you know my taste go, I, I'm not a big werewolf fan. I, 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 same, I don't dislike the genre, but it's a it's subgenre. A most of, yeah, it's just, I find most of them, like, lacking. I know how a lot of people are like, ah, oh, I don't like zombie movies. And I'm like, well, you know, there's just a shortage of good zombie movies. I feel yeah. like there's a shortage of good werewolf movies. Yeah. But uh, Eric Red, when he was writing this, he was driving a cab at the time for a living and was, uh, you know, writing this script and was listening to uh, Riders on the Storm by the Doors. Oh, really? And, there you go. Yeah, and I kind of, you know, I did a little digging and I found an interview and some uh, IMDb trivia and whatnot. And so, yeah, it's straight up. I always felt like that was just Robert Herman, not Robert Herman, but Eric Red, hard at work, you know, working that kind of stuff in. It's just like the nice. It's like the line, you know, you give this man a ride, sweet families will die, killer on the road, and then that family that ends up buying it, whoof. 
Yes. Exactly. But I think the one thing that puzzles me about this movie, I am still quite unfamiliar with the concept of a, of a drive away. You know, that's a big thing that uh, C. Thomas Howell's character, Jim well, Halsey, in, young kid, is doing a drive away. I, I'm, yeah, I'm that's that. No, that's something that um, I believe was at that point, and I could be wrong, but I think at that point, even in the, you know the mid '80s, that was already a, a a dying idea where people would um, hire people to drive one car to another, and it's kind of like a transport one car to another city. Like that's just what they would do. And I think at that point it may have been kind of on its way out. So you know, I'm I'm assuming when that first came out, that concept was like, oh, that's an oldie thing for people. That's that's like that's a a rare thing. Um, and I just have a feeling that's what it was. Now it totally seems completely ancient and alien, but it does serve to obviously create the plot and put everything in motion. Um, but I mean, yeah, there were, there were a lot of things like even, <laughs> I guess it's a little different, but the thing, Cheech and Chong, things are tough all over. They kind of had the same thing. They were hired to drive this car to another. Right, car. right. And it's funny you early. mentioned that. I, I just watched that again recently <laughs> here in, in recent weeks. That is that's my favorite my, my, I was just gonna say it might. I was just gonna say it might strike you as strange, but that is my favorite uh, Cheech and Chong movie. <laughs> it's definitely my favorite one. But they had a kind of a drive away also. So I, maybe it was a, a thing that was a little bit more in practice, maybe in the '60s and '70s. I don't know. You know, when, when people were more trusting of people. Um, <laughs> I, seriously, I mean, people. The world's a shithole right now. So maybe you know, back then that was kind of like a dying thing, but it was still, it was still something. But it was kind of on its last legs um but yeah, yeah. i mean it worked it was, going, it, it was probably going out of style i imagine by that <laughs> yeah, time. i'm sure it was yeah but this movie starts off right off into you don't get a, a point to to really get to know jim halsey or see thomas howell's character very much before you know he picks up rooker howard as the hitcher is this him driving is a you know short and concise uh credit sequence is very creepy you know setting a mood is very ominous kind of foreboding kind of thing going on you know with the it's, it's raining it's storming and the first thing he says you know he's oh my mother told me never to do this and this is <laughs> like you, you know and even if you don't know what this movie is going into it the first time you're just like oh like you're, you're gonna learn you're gonna, right. you're gonna learn why your mother told you never to do this right. exactly <laughs> but, yeah right? it was I mean, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Go right, go right ahead, sir. No, the thing I was going to say is when you said it doesn't really talk about Jim Halsey much or anything else, what I think is really cool is the fact that um, generally, especially with horror films, one of the complaints is that you can never identify with the characters, or if you can, they're really obnoxious and they're stereotypical and they're you know you can't wait to side with the killer because the kids are so annoying you want them killed off you know yeah, you can't wait to see them die <laughs> right but in this film they i think purposely left everybody cold and uh, the whole atmosphere is cold and alienated through the entire film you you kind of empathize with jim halsey but you don't really you still don't know the guy and and I right. think it's wild that they made it a point to sidestep the fact that he really does not have a a, a, ba- a backstory. And the little dribs and drabs come out throughout the film, throughout people, how they have to behave and how they have to react to things. And that is what kind of builds their character and their personality and their, 
I guess their 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 par- their backstory for the for the audience, which is interesting way to do it, because yeah, you're not invested in them at all, but yet you are. But everything that they're they're doing is making you making it work against you because you're not you're, you're not emotionally invested in this guy. You're not. You're just like, wow, I feel for this guy. This something's going on. So you know, the two of them are like almost equally cold and mysterious throughout the whole film. It kind of works. It's very ambiguous. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> extremely. You, all you know really about C. Thomas Howell as, as Jim is right. that he has a brother. You know that, right. and he's a co- uh, he's a college kid. You know that that basically he is young and naive, and I think that's where something that any, everybody can at least identify with at one point because everybody was young once, <laughs> and everybody at least to a certain extent was naive. So I think it's just putting you know it's just like this is an everyday man type of person. It could yeah. be you. Right. And that's why yeah. I think it works, too, is because it is an everyday man. It, it's not specifically they're not attributing any specific personality traits to this person because you're, you're getting out of it what you want to get out of the character. It's giving you just enough to move it along to keep it interesting. But I think that's, you know, in essence, what makes the film work is that it is an everyday man. You know, it's not like, oh, he's from a rich, affluent family. I can't deal with that or I can't identify with that. No, this is just some guy driving. And, and, you know, you're either going to gravitate towards them or not. And I think pretty much the, the feedback of this film, even the critics who are generally harsh on horror films, uh, are pretty favorable across the board for the itcher, most of them. You know, which is strange because I went and looked and it had about an $8 million budget mm-hmm. and it made less than $6 million at the box office, which is just wow. unfathomable to me that this was – basically such a bomb then i mean it's become a cult hit in you know in in recent years but it's just so iconic that it just it, it baffles me that it was such a you know a critical and financial bomb well and, and it doesn't time, make any the, sense to me no but at that time as the, the company was even responsible for putting a lot of these films out i think they were in pretty rough shape either on their, their last legs or whatever or at least in a, during hard times. So very little marketing, very little promotion. It's the same thing that befell near near dark. I mean, it was, you know, Lost Boys. I think I don't know if it came out right after, or right before. I don't remember, but Lost Boys had this big, um, flashy promotional campaign around it with big names and hot young actors and all this and that. Near Dark didn't, and Lost Boys was advertised left right. Near Dark wasn't. Near Dark is clearly superior to lost boys but oh on every level it, it, it fell victim victim to literally not doing anything at a box office and being unceremoniously dumped onto video where it didn't really do anything there it, it started building a cult following but still didn't set any records on on video and uh and that's why for a very long time near dark was so sought after because it was it was actually pretty hard to find and that's what yeah. the same thing with the hitcher it just you know i don't think they put much into it and they still haven't put much into it. I think it's only yeah. just now getting to the point where there's rumblings that there's going to be a Blu-ray release. Right, exactly. It still is just like, you know, Blu-ray's been around for how many years now? And it's just, the right. is just now going to be getting Blu-ray release? Again, sacrilege. Right. But get, but and and, and to, again, that's a film, too, that is very, um, the, the formula works. It's very, um, it's a basic at its core. It's very basic. And it does work. And, you know, all the, the, the greedy heads over in Hollywood could totally mine that for 
a good a good amount of money, but yet, you know, that came out in '86, and here we are. Was it 30, 36 years later? And there's there's just one sequel and one remake. It's not like a string of movies, <laughs> right? You know, Hitcher Ten. No, uh, no, I don't know if I'd want to see ten Hitcher movies, but you know, right. it would have been exactly. neat to see more of a, you know, more of a following for it. But that, exactly. eh, that, that's neither here nor there, right? You know, <laughs> and there's no no accounting for taste when it comes to certain audiences. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. But like when Rucker Howard first gets in to the car. My favorite scene is the opening, yeah, but with the you know with the exception of the scene where uh, John Ryder and Jim Halsey confront uh, get well when uh, John Ryder confronts Jim Halsey at the diner, that's right. probably my second favorite scene. But the opening scene when the, that that give and take, you know when he, he's just asking him questions and he's not answering them. He's like, oh, I ran out of gas. You know, he's like, oh, you know, then when he plopped his hand on his leg and forced his foot onto the accelerator and he's like why'd you do that and he's like no scare you and then he does that little head tilt that is just so reminiscent of like michael myers like then like he comes out with that fucking laugh when he's just like what do you want and he, and he just laughs the only time like john Ryder really shows any type of human emotion it's right. like i think it's i think it's one of those it's like uh like in a movie when, you know, somebody's about to die and they're just like, oh, fuck you. And it's like, yeah, it's real original. That's what the other guy said. Right. The way he says that and it becomes and far too real. The yeah. smile on his face. and It becomes far too real and far too fucking quick. And his dialogue is utterly terrifying. When he gets to the point when he's like, I just want you to stop me. And I think that's the reason why when Jim Halsey, you know, pushes them out the door when they're they're rolling down the road because thank god you know he left the door slightly ajar right. he didn't close it all the way lucky him but i think that's why I, i'm curious what you think about this why rucker howard's character john Ryder was pursuing jim i personally think it was because you know he told him you know i want you to tell me i want to die and he, the kid can't say it and he says i don't want to die you know and throws him out the door and I think he's like, you know, he's like, I want you to stop me. It's also the other thing that he says I, he wanted from. And he did. And I think the John Ryder character had a weird sort of respect for that. Yeah, I, I totally was going to say the same thing. I think, I mean, I get all rambling about it, but I, I feel like in the whole movie, he seems to be, uh, Rucker Howard seems to be in slow motion. He seems to be in a funk. He seems to be in a state of... Um, denial or shock or disbelief or something in my opinion he just like he's a zombie just like sleepwalking and i think what i personally if i create a backstory he got news bad news health-wise and he just didn't have the guts to go through with anything and he's been doing this on and on and on trying to get somebody to call his bluff trying to get somebody to kill him because he doesn't want to go on, but he doesn't have the, the inner strength to do that himself. And, you know, and if it doesn't work, he just scraps the people, kills them like he did with that, that car, the family uh, in the car and moves on to the next one. Um, I think he saw something. He saw a glimmer of, I don't know, spunk or like, you know, energy or some as they say something something and he's like this guy I, I think i found my guy i just have to really push him and see what the breaking point is um 
and, and that's what I think. And that's when you said early on how it's cat and mouse. If the movie's complete cat and mouse, and um, it, it just that's what I think he's just trying to do. Is like, how far do I have to push you to get you to do this? Because I can't do it myself. Yeah, he does. He refuses to end it for himself because it's. Think about it. At the end when it all comes. I mean, we're going to spoil everything here, folks. So if we <laughs> jump around a little bit, we're going to be spoiling everything. And this movie is like you know, thirty six years old. So if you haven't seen it by now, then you know that's that's on you. That's <laughs> on you, folks. But at the end, you know, when they have the showdown, you know, he, he's he's actively <laughs> engaging Jim Halsey. Rucker Hauer right. is. But he's not, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of the right way to d- describe it. He's, it's not like he's trying very hard. He's kind of given it, you know, he gave it the old college try before. Now he's just kind of going through the motions. You know, does he try to duck out of the way when Jim Halsey goes to run him over? No. Does he try to fight back or, or attack him when he pulls out the shotgun? No. He just stands there. He is and trying. Takes- and, right. And if you pay attention in the whole movie, as far as I know, I mean, I can't think of anything offhand of I know this movie as you do like by the back of my hand but <clears throat> there's not one time in this movie that he tries to kill jim there's not one time he puts him in a situation to either antagonize him he's like poking the bear prodding the bear or getting him in a situation where he's you know trying to frame him or get him legally in trouble or whatever but there's not one time that he um I don't think there's one time that he actually tries to kill Jim. Everyone else obviously is fair game, but he, he just wants Jim. He wants Jim to do this for him. And he's, he's going to push him as hard as he can to get the reaction that he wants. So there was not one, it was the whole movie was intense. It was a great movie from beginning to end. The suspense doesn't let up. It's great, but there's not one time in a movie that I actually ever felt that, you know, when I first saw it, that, um, that Jim was going to be, um, that he was in danger. I was just like, what the fuck is this guy's problem? And how's he going to react to this? Um, and then when he's I initially that, in the cart with, with him, I think, you know, right. it's the one time that he's in danger, but once he fights back, yeah. I don't even think he was, I think he was in just trying to set the stage for stuff and just to see how, how much he could push him, how far he could, how far he could take. I don't think he planned on obviously getting pushed out of the car and all that. But when he did, I think he's like, this guy, that was the moment. I think he's like, okay, the steps that he took here, he's a survivor. I can work with this. I, I, I can't let this up. I got to go after him. Yeah, yeah, because from there on out, he's just playing with him. It's like, you know, the following morning when he's driving along and he gets passed by that family in the station wagon and the teddy bear comes up and it's dancing in the window and it moves away and Rooker Hour is just. That's a great scene. Great. It's just smiling, just smiling, great you know. Scene. Uh, and he's even like goading one of the two little kids with the toy cap gun. He's like, yep. Go shoot him, shoot him, yeah. kill him. Like, yep. It's like, I think what Rucker Hauer wanted to do, or uh, I keep saying Rucker Hauer, but it's it's John Ryder wanted John to do, Ryder. you know, is he wanted to create a killer. He wanted <laughs> to create a killer because even with the little kid, he's kind of goading. He's like, yeah, shoot him, kill him. And I'm like, oh, this, it's, <laughs> it's so good. <clears throat> That's great. I movie. think. Another exchange in this movie, I think a lot of people would consider this movie slow, the general public. I, I don't. I'm hanging on every second of it, even 36 years later after the fact. You know, it's like the meeting at the gas station when uh, Jim Halsey gets to the uh, the abandoned, I think it's like an abandoned gas station, at least it appeared to be. And Rooker Howard just shows up and just 
stands there and looks at him, goes up and hands the keys and just drops them in the dust and just leaves. You know, right. And that's that, you know, when people complain about, you know, I think you and I are in good shape because a lot of times um, you get people, especially diehard um, horror addicts that just love the old stuff. And they think, oh, the new, you know, today's music and today's movie is crap. They sound like they're 90 years old. Um, it's different. It's not crap. There's a lot of shit out there. There's a lot of good stuff. The thing is, a lot of the movies nowadays do suffer from the fact that um, there's a deliberate pace with the Hitcher, but that was reminiscent of films back then. Now you need boom, 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 because everybody is in an age of digital where they click a button to get what they want. They click yeah, the instant gratification. Everything. So the movie, even if it's a slow burn, they don't appreciate that. So the structure of a film's... Uh, especially in the 70s and 80s, have not held up that great. The content, yes, the atmosphere and everything else, but the pacing of these films is um, is a problem for a lot of people. Like, I'll bring this up real quick, not to stray too far from this, but um, let's scare Jessica to death. That mm-hmm. movie, to me, is probably the single greatest ghost film, uh, ghost movie ever made, aside from The Changeling. Um, but it's slow-moving. But if you watch it, good God, that's an amazing movie. So many people won't get past it, though, because this is a slow movie. It's a bunch of hippies. It's what it's not. And if you can just get past that, that's whatever. So I don't even think The Hitcher is that slowly paced. It's just more deliberately hitting all the beats that it needs to hit. It's definitely not action-packed as much as it needs to be. But even when they remade The Hitcher, it, it somewhat kept the same pacing throughout somewhat somewhat um, yeah i mean it's probably a little a, more almost a scene by scene almost a scene by scene remake yeah, which is a great a, it's a great remake by the way oh yeah it's a great remake and uh Madeline, patty was surprised that i held it in such high regard she's like somebody replaced your boy rucker howard as the hitcher and you stood for that <laughs> i'm like i'm like but it's sean fucking bean man yeah, he, yeah, he's that's a good... He's he's a great actor and he plays it very much the same as the original. Yeah, I don't think it was great as the original, but it was a and I love remakes, but it was it was a very good one. Yeah, it it was. Yeah, you know me. I'm I'm. That's one thing where you and I differ. You know, I I usually hate most remakes. I I like the Hitcher the remake. I I thought it was a very decent adaptation. Yeah, is it as good as the original? No, not many things are, but it's good. It's a passable remake. You know, and yeah, it's a good one. In fact, um, through on that, I don't know if you saw it yet, but um, Hitcher 2 was, uh, was basically a direct-to-video sequel that came out, I think it was 2002, I have the VHS of it, but um, that was surprisingly really good. Um, I, I, I think, you know, if anyone hasn't seen it, I think they'll probably really like, I'd say, the first half of the movie anyway. Um, then they take certain different paths and directions and whatnot that interesting artistic um, decisions with it. But um, I think it's a very, very entertaining sequel. Um, and they did a good job with it. So, you know, there's it, it's a series that's not a very big series. There's three films in it, but um, I think they're all of good quality. And uh, that's a good mark of a, of a horror film franchise to to have all good films in it. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I still haven't seen part two. I bought a digital copy of them when we were talking last week before we did the sh- you know, before we got together to do the show tonight. And I haven't watched it. I'm going to very soon. I just, you know, only so many hours in the day. Yeah, and again, people always want to shit on sequels and, and remakes and do this and that. So everyone probably rolls their eyes, but it was good. I really, I highly endorse the second one. So, high, well, highly I will let you know. You know, in, in retrospect, when when I actually do get to watch it, and I kind of let, let you know what I think. But yeah, I do give a thumbs up to the remake. I, I most people will probably be surprised to hear me say that, Mister Anti Remake, that I am. But <laughs> uh, but back back to the uh, the gist of this film. I, I think it takes a tonal change when Jennifer Jason Lee's character comes in. Uh, Nash is her name. Uh, my first note about her was, oh, poor Nash. You, you have no idea what's coming. So, so it, you know, tough girl, tough, you know, country girl living in, you know, out in the de- desert, working that little, got that little hole in the wall place that looked like it had been closed down for 30 years and the coffee was probably that old too. Mm-hmm. But when he comes in and he's just, you know, she makes him a burger. She's like, hey, this is all I know how to make. This, you know, short order chef's not here yet. You know, still have to make do. And he finds a finger in his fries. I remember that making my proverbial asshole tighten up when I was a kid. It's just like, oh, like it made me. I think the first thing I did the next time I ordered a burger and fries was check my plate to make sure one of them wasn't a fucking finger. That's how much it influenced me when I was like 10 years old. Probably a little bit young to be watching this, but, you know, that's probably the reason why I formed into the, you know, the even keeled person that I am today. <laughs> exactly. But as much as those cops are just a bunch of stereotypical yokel shit kicker cops, you can't blame them for reacting the way they do. Right. You know, I mean, because there's apparently this guy, you know, had been leaving a trail of bodies. They don't they never really say how many people he had killed, but basically right. said that he had led, you know, the police on a chase across the entire state. So you can probably figure that he'd killed multitudes of people. We know at least right. the family. You know, the guy that was in the car with him before Halsey picked him up and probably countless others. Mm, right. But the two cops, I recognize them right off the bat. One of them uh, is a Charles Bronson alumni, uh, Gene Davis, who was in uh, The Killer in 10 to Midnight. Mm-hmm. And then Billy Green Bush, right. who was the dad and, yeah, dad and Critters. And uh, he, he was in a multitude of fucking films, uh, you know, Friday 13th Part 9, even, yeah. you know. But uh, I like the fact that every one of these cops is played by, you know, one of those character actors that you just recognize. You may not know their names, but like, you know who they you've seen them before. These are faces that you've seen a million times. Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And when they take him in, they take him in. I mean, they they rough him up. They find the, you know, the bloody knife in his pocket. So, you know, that like Rucker Howard was in there. He planted the finger. He planted the knife on him. He's setting this kid up, you know. They go to book him, and he's just grabbing for beans. You know, he ain't got a he ain't got a driver's license. He ain't got an ID. He ain't got nothing to say who he is. And he's like, call the driveway company, and they're closed for the weekend. He's like, well, call my brother. 
He'll, he'll yeah. verify who I am. And of course, they don't get a hold of the brother. You can just see the hope leaving his fucking eyes. It's just like, you know, like kid, you're, you're, you're fucked. You picked up this guy and your life is never going to be the same ever right. again. Exactly. But yeah, the, exactly. <laughs> but the most notable part is when he wakes up in his cell and he goes to the, the cell door and is open. It's like, you just know bad shit's going to happen. And, you know, the, I want to know how did Howard, how did, you know, John Ryder get in there? How was he able to go in and take out, what, four different cops? Mm-hmm. I think there was three or four different cops. Yeah, it was bunch. Bunch, you know, but I have this note, note that I had to make here. The man is not a complete and total monster because he did not kill the dog. <laughs> exactly. So is this like, you know, I know a lot of people have theories. There's fan theories on this movie that uh, John Ryder was meant to be, you know, a mystical figure like a devil or a demon or something that was, you know, an well, archangel. But like, I think it was just a that. Well, say it's interesting that you say that. I'm sorry to bring this up, but since we're talking about the Hitcher, I, I'm just kind of in my mind thinks like the Hitcher universe. And it's interesting that you brought up the whole mystical whatever thing because, uh, they 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 kind of allude to that a little bit in the second one, so ah. you know again that's another reason why I really they did their research with the second one. They didn't just decide, hey, let's throw a two on it, bring C. Thomas Howell back and and do a sequel. No, they I I think it's very well done. But anyway, like yeah, I mean I, I think um it's interesting you said that they let the dog live. I remember reading a while back when uh, when Kane was doing uh, Jason. And he was, you know, in, in the, what, four, four films, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah. Um, yep. 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 And they had him down where uh, Jason was going to kick a dog or something. And even at that point, Kane's like, hey, Jason would do that. <laughs> he wouldn't do that. And he refused to do that. So usually taboo, usually taboo subjects are kids and dogs. But um, I think the kids kind of like just a little lax on that. The dogs still, it's like, no, <laughs> really don't yeah. mess with the dogs. Yeah, I think it's just like, you know, he he's like, he's kind of like me watching a movie. Like, if I see, I can watch people die all day long in a movie and it doesn't affect me. I'm cold, I'm anesthetized to it. But the moment somebody hurts an animal, a dog or a cat or even a bird or anything, it's just like, you know, you didn't have to do that. Right. <laughs> it's like, kill 13 people on the way to go do, do that, but don't don't <laughs> kick the don't, don't kick the dog. No, like, every time my wife and I watch a movie, once an animal is introduced, we're like, God damn it. And like, is a dog going to die? <laughs> it was like, yeah, when I, t- I remember taking my mother to go see Drag Me to Hell. And as soon as I saw the kitten, I was just like, well, this is the point where my mother walks out of the theater. <laughs> and she did. She saw it coming. She walked out. She came back about 10 minutes later. She's like, is it over with? I'm like, yes. <laughs> like, uh, I know. But anyway, anyway. Uh I, I I just want to see th- that uncut scene. I know it doesn't exist anywhere, but I want to. See- <laughs> That's the one thing. If there's any regret I have about this movie, is not is not seeing uh, Howard go all Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator style and in, go in into the police station. Yeah, in a police station. But that's not this kind of movie. That's, this right. is not that right. kind of movie. Right. It's a, and this is the one. It's on- very psycho- It's really very, um, very very psychological. Like there's a lot going on in this film uh, then then appears on the surface you know aside from him playing psychological games with um john playing psychological games with with jim the the director and the filmmakers are playing it with the audience 
Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting to see both of that going on at, at the same time. Well, and it's you know there's a, an, it, this one instance in a movie where there's a massacre that happens off off camera, and I don't mind. Most of the time, right, I feel cheated with off screen deaths. You know, it's right. just like ah, eh, you know, they just cheated it because they couldn't afford the effects. I like the mystery. I like the mystery. You don't know how he got in. You right. don't know how he achieved what he did. There's so much mystery with this. I know the, the the production company had a lot of trouble and the producers had a lot of trouble translating this script because they it, they said it felt like a, a slasher. And that's what they wanted to avoid with this being a slasher. And I don't think, think it feels like a slasher. I felt no. like they succeeded and they were successful in the translation of this movie because it plays more like a psychological thriller and a mystery. More like a horror anything. thriller. Right, exactly. Yeah, totally. I don't. Yeah. I don't feel like this is even. This is the fact that it's just bloody and violent is what I guess teeters it into horror territory a little bit. But it's mostly a thriller, just like a bloody thriller. You know. You know. In fact, you know what it really reminds me of, which I, which I think is probably more similar than the sequel and the remake is to it. Um, Joyride. And, yeah. And Joyride yeah. is essentially an updated version of this film. Um almost to the T just they changed a few little things here and there, but it's, it's the hitcher updated for a younger audience and that movie's fantastic. So except for yeah, the, the sequels were, are okay, but yeah, know. the sequels are just, they're all right. They're not bad. They're, they're average. They're, they're, yeah. they're average, but the first Joyride was really good. I would agree. It's, it's more or less like a hitcher, but you know, where your really is like hitcher is just a crazy truck driver. Yeah, but it's, it's got the same pacing, you know, we're going to go here. We're going to do this. You're going to go into the diner. You're going to or go guest or whatever it is. You're going to do this. And it's very, very, very similar. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's, it's it, it plays with your mind along with your heart because it is the, the next thing that comes along is the same scene where I wrote down uh, C. Thomas Howell brings the fire <laughs> in this scene where he collapses and he almost kills himself, you know, where he's like kneeling in the dirt and he like right. – puts the gravel and you know he's in all in his hair and he puts the gun underneath his chin like he's like i'm that's it that's like it, it i'm you know i'm gonna go to jail for the rest of my life or this guy's gonna kill me and it's all done silent you know what i mean not right. a word there's so much of this movie that's done silent mm-hmm. you know with little to no dialogue when he puts the gun under his chin you a lot of people i know have written see thomas howell off as a you know, a not very good actor, but I'm telling you, given the right material, the man brings the fire. He really br- brought well, it. He, he's a, I'll tell you this real quick, but it was, um, God, it was maybe several years ago now, but uh, Jim O'Rear, you know, my, my business partner, we were doing some convention. The other lost bastard? Yeah, the other lost bastard. But we we were doing some convention, and um, C. Thomas Howell was one of the guests, and uh, getting, you know, they, they would pay to put all the guests up in hotel so we were you know covered as well and we leave the hotel i meet jim in the hallway we meet uh leave our rooms go down to the take the elevator go down the elevator just going down there the door open stops at the floor i think right under us or whatever it opens and uh guy walks in and uh see tom Samuel. he's just standing there in the elevator just us and jim and he's like uh hey guys how's it going we're like uh uh fine and he's like he's like hi he puts his hand out. he's like hi i'm tommy i'm like no fucking shit you're tommy we know who you are yeah we, we know but who you are motherfucker he's just badass in person he's so nice and so humble very cool guy 
He seems That's like a guy who has a lot of fun. He always he's like very every, very cool. You know, every time I see him in any kind of interview press junket, he's always mm-hmm. laughing, always smiling. He seems like he's like yeah. a, a yeah, fun we saw, guy. We saw him at the and we saw him throughout the weekend, and he was just kept that he was just very cool so you know that's a good story because sometimes you you build up somebody in your mind and you meet them and they're a total douche uh he was so far from he was very very nice and cool and i was like holy shit and he's like hi i'm tommy i'll never forget that i'm like really like okay like (laughs) yeah like we had no idea who you were jesus like yeah like we didn't know yeah and he was really cool like none of us have ever not seen the hitcher or soul man you know Or, or anything yeah anything from the 80s at all you're right yeah. like like none of us have ever seen you know red dawn or the outsiders outsiders right exactly <laughs> we knew who you are it means it means a lot when people are like that you know very cool because it, it can can really shit on people's dreams you, you some people grow up idolizing people and they meet them and they're like seriously and then that they it's like soul crushing for people but um, no, I've, I've had very, my soul crushed a couple of times, you know, exactly. at the various conventions Same. I've been to. Same here. I, I shared a, a, an elevator ride that was not very fun with Vernon Wells that I, I will talk Jesus. about. That we'll talk about on an, on another occasion. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was heartbreaking. It was just like, oh, Wes, you too, you too. Okay, getcha. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, back to the movie. <laughs> I don't want to get off on a tangent about my Yay. elevator ride with uh, Vernon Wells. <laughs> uh, still like the guy's stuff. But, you know, I'll leave it at that. But uh, we're at our my second favorite scene, so I got to break this one down a little bit. When he shows up at, I think it's called Roy's Cafe, I think is the name of it on the outside. I don't recall. But he shows up at the other cafe, and the old guy is just like, hey, kid, you all right? No. He's like, you want some coffee? He's like, mm, yeah, you know. He's like, you've been in an accident? Yes. <laughs> Are you all right? No. <laughs> he, he's on his way to becoming a qu- quickly a different person. And when he's sitting there with his head buried in his hands, and Worker Howard sits in the booth across from him, and just looks at him for a second with that half a smirk on his face, he's like, <clears throat> and clears his throat, and he opens his eyes, and he just raises an eyebrow and smiles. Is this like? And it's it's an almost an audible line. I actually had to rewind it this time because I, I, I was just like, did I hear it right? And he's like, hey, kid, how you like Schittsville? And I just feel like that's the one line of dialogue that's way out of, like, that, that had to have been a Rucker Howard original. Um, I'm just nice. willing to bet that that wasn't written in the script. Yeah, that's interesting. But, uh, yeah, because it's, it's so, like, low. The, the audio level is so low on that line. It's almost like inaudible i had to jack up the the, the volume and put and then i put on the the closed captioning i'm like i'm gonna find out what the fuck he said because i'm pretty sure he said welcome to shit you know how do you like shitsville and i'm like he didn't say that did he and he did nice. but that instance when uh he's got the gun out on on rucker Hauer underneath the table Hauer hardly no i keep saying Hauer, but it's it's really you know the writer character, it hardly holds it together. Like he's almost wants to laugh in his face. You can tell he's just like, you know, the gun's not loaded. And he's like, you know, he's so confident. He's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. You think so? And he's like, yeah, the real mockingly. And he's just like, you know, when he's like, you know, you better fucking, if you pull it, you better fucking use it. Cause you better sure as shit that I'm going to use mine. And he just, you know, hits the table and yells bang. And then the poor kid just, 
dry clicks away while the gun clicks on empty. And Howard's just like sitting there with that smile on his face. He finds it so damn amusing. It's just a, it's a mwah, chef's kiss, you know, to, to, to acting with that role. Like, right. Howard was the king of subtlety. <clears throat> oh, definitely. He wasn't really, he didn't really ham it up often. You know, he would, you know, like uh, Blind Fury to, to name, Blade you know, kind of did somewhat. What's that? I think I did, he even kind of brought that stuff to Blade Runner, his quirkiness. Yeah. But yeah, you know, uh, just when he tells him, he takes those those pennies and he puts the, puts the dead man eyes on him. He licks well, the pennies me, and sticks them to his eyes. That's so creepy. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, to be honest, I mean, I know we'll get into this, but um, the I think the the first I don't know exactly where that falls into the film, but the first half of the film is amazing, and I do think that once he meets um. What's her name? Nash? Nash, right? Nash, yeah. J- J- um, Jennifer Jason Lee's character. Yeah. And I like Jennifer Jason Lee a lot. But I think the film loses just a little bit uh, at that point because to me, I really like the the um, panic and the claustrophobia. And I feel like the film opens up to be a bigger picture. Um, and then when she's involved, I think the world opens up a little more for him. And I, I just find it loses a little bit of its edge. Um, but the scene, with the, pennies, yeah. the scene with the pennies is a fucking one of the best scenes in the whole film. I think it's an amazing, real, like, come to Jesus moment. And I just love that whole exchange and that whole, like you're saying, with the gun and with he totally has him dangling on a on a, you know, on a string at that point. And that's totally his puppet at that point. And um, it's just a fantastic scene. So I'm glad you brought that scene up. Yeah, at the, when he puts the pennies on his eyes, that's the, the clincher for me at the end of that scene. Fantastic. Because all he can say is like, why are you doing this to me? Boom, puts the pennies on his eyes, brings him in close with his head, cradling his head in his hands, almost like he's going to give him a goodbye kiss. Right. You know, and he's like, you're a good kid. You'll figure it out. Figure it out, right. You know, nothing grandiose, no no <coughs> big one-liners or nothing. So simplistic and so goddamn good. And... You know, gosh, uh, and I, but I do agree that once uh, the Nash character comes along, it loses a little bit of the mystery. It yeah, grounds just little, it. It just the, loses a little steam. They, they kind of start with, and they don't let their foot off the gas pedal until then. And then they, they kind of do for the rest of the film, but it, it it's still solid and it maintains throughout. But to me, it's just short of a masterpiece because of that. Because it's fantastically executed. Yeah, it's just shy. It's just shy of really good. Of, it's just, just shy of it. Yeah. Now the one thing. But you know, I like hear... when you said when you said the line with the, uh, you 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 know you'll figure it out. Ambiguous lines like that are very very creepy. Um, and I'll give you one quick example because I don't I know we want to stay on this, but um, I didn't like this film at all. I don't generally like these types of movies anyway. But Strangers, I didn't see the second one yet, which looks like right up my alley. But I love, strangers. I love the strangers. I like strangers too more than the first one. Yeah, the strangers too looks great. I just haven't seen it yet. Um, I did not like the strangers at all. My wife liked it quite a bit. She likes those. But when they're like, "Why are you doing something?" Because you were home. That is one of the most creepiest, terrifying lines in any film in modern history. That's I fucking agree. Seeing the randomness and the the whatever. So that's kind of how this was. It was ambiguous and random and just just very mysterious and and it, it gets you. And I think um, that that really helped elevate that whole scene, which, again, 
that kind of falls kind of towards the middle, but already in the, the second half. And uh, that was still the standout scene of that whole film, I believe. It was a great film, a great scene in that film. Yeah, and I, I, um, I think you would like uh, Strangers 2 a lot oh, more. Safe. Like, we know how you, all my friends are like, we know how you are, and you would love that one. Like, okay, I'll see. I didn't rush see it, but I'll, I'll see. Yeah, you know, like, I, like I've often said, uh, there's only so many hours in the day that you get to watch movies, which is sad, because there should be more hours in the day to watch movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I want to address a complaint that I've heard a couple of people make about this movie that over the years is showing it to people or watching it with friends uh, or just hearing overall uh, complaints about it. There's the the car, the car the car chase that happens with the cops when Halsey gets on the bus. He meets up with Nash. He takes her hostage for a bit, and then they have the exchange with the cops who are going to assassinate Halsey. He's like, you killed my friends. You son of a bitch, you know, it's kind of one of those moments. He's like, you spit on my wrist, wipe it off. And, you know, he just wants him to reach towards him so he can say that, hey, he was reaching for my gun. I had to kill him. Right. Well, then Nash gets involved and Nash really shouldn't have gotten involved after the bus incident. She should have just let it go. She would be alive. But she didn't. She and, and they get into the car chase. They steal the cop car. And there's the scene where in the car chase where the cars flip where the car tires get blown out and the two cars flip and go end over end. I've heard several people complain over that saying that the resulting car, the, the cars flipping over end over end, like they would, would never happen. I, I, I want to contest that by saying, but uh, I say it, I buy it because if you lose a couple of tires, they're going about 110 miles an hour. What do you think is going to happen? Right. The one, well, I can tell you from personal experience, the one time, I was um, I was in college. I was in Long Island, and uh, I don't know. I think the angels are looking out, but um, I was borrowing my uncle, who's was a cop, but he let me use his uh, his. I think it was a Pathfinder or something back in the day. I was in a left lane on a highway on the LIE Long Island Expressway with some friends driving. Probably about yeah. I'm I drive like a senior citizen, so I'm sure if it was 55, I was doing like 57. It's, <laughs> it's still you know 50, 60 miles an hour. And had a blowout. And the car, first of all, those are top heavy anyway. But it felt like the car was literally, we weren't, but it felt like we were on um, uh, on two side tires. And, and like half the car was up in here. That's what it felt like. And somehow we made it all the way on a busy highway. Somehow we crossed all the lanes and made it over to the shoulder and got, got out of the car and everything. But no, there's no doubt that that car couldn't flip. If I turned it a certain direction, that thing would have totally flipped totally flipped and my uncle has had a car years ago he actually flipped the car someone hit him and it wasn't overly fast they just hit him in the right the, the right place where the car flipped over you glass in his in his mouth and his hair for quite a long time so it, it happens fairly often i'm sure especially given the 80s um it was overly embellished and overly you know anyone where anytime anyone you know say, they gotta embellish it for hollywood's <laughs> sake right exactly Especially, and, 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 and I'm going to make a little segue here, and speaking of embellishing and shining things up all nice and pretty for uh, Hollywood, they got a helicopter. They got a helicopter in the car chase. And because, you know, it's helicopter, helicopter time because it's the fucking 80s. What movie that had a little bit of action or any kind of excitement and it didn't have a fucking chopper? Right. But, you know, I like the fact that Rooker Howard fucking takes out the damn chopper with a pistol. Just a pistol, just firing at it, you know, riding on the side of the road. 
And yeah. it's just so calmly looking, you know, I mean, like, just like when uh, in a couple of scenes previous, when Halsey was in the back of the squad car and he's like, I'm going to, you know, he's talking to Captain um, Estridge. And he's like, I'm going to give myself up. He's like, I'm putting myself in your ha- your hands, Captain. And then what happens? Rooker Howard pulls up alongside and blasts those guys in yep. the head and kills them. And it's just like every step of the way, he's he's framing him for more and more shit. And of course, you know, they're, Nash is on the radio saying, we, we want to turn ourselves in. We want to give ourselves up. And just as they're about to pull over and give themselves up, what happens? He shows up, shoots the cop tires out so the cars right. flip, shoots the helicopter out of the sky till it explodes. Uh, it's just... The only time, you know, I feel like there was any hope was right after the initial encounter before, you know, Halsey ran across to him, you know, with the family in the station wagon. I right. think, you know, there's there's hope there. He's like, oh, maybe he'll get away unscathed. No, no. This guy's going to be totally fucking scarred for the rest of his life if he, if he yeah, gets exactly. it out alive. But the, the next creepiest <laughs> scene, that, oh, God, this one just... Kind of makes my hair stand up on the back of my neck is when they they end up at the hotel. They're at the little you know the 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 truck stop with a little adjoint, adjacent hotel, and you know Halsey is taking a shower while Nash is laying in bed, and Howard lays in next to her, and he's just laying there, yep. silent again, no <clears throat> words. He doesn't barge into the room all guns blazing. He doesn't come in cackling like a wild man. He's just laying there. Just, you know, observing. observing, you know, and then he, you know, of course, when Halsey comes out, she's gone and yeah. enter finally, finally, because he's one of my favorite character actors, uh, Jeffrey fucking DeMunn. I <laughs> right. love him. Exactly. I love that guy. I do, too. And, you I know, he, yeah, I like the fact that they finally put a face, you know, <laughs> to the voice for Cast- uh, Captain Estridge, <laughs> you know, and he, he tells him, like, listen, he's like. You, you, we, we know you didn't do this. You, we, we know you're innocent, but we got a situation. And when he's, you see when poor Nash is hooked up between the semi and that the cab, mm-hmm. you just know nothing, nothing good's going to come of it. You know all hope is lost. You before you before Halsey even sets foot into that semi truck, you know it's just uh, it's, it's 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 palpable the the tension. I I think there's a lot of credence to what you said earlier that Howard's character, John Ryder, might have been dying of something because he looked sick in that scene. He was sweaty. Yeah. He looked pale. He they like, kind of did some makeup. He was used at the end, and he was just didn't have the guts to do it himself, didn't have the guts to to not have it done. So, he, I mean, he was at the, the end of his rope, literally. Um, the one thing I will bring up, because you talk about the truck scene, just jump back a little bit, but... Um, but the hotel, that's one thing that I, I think the uh, the remake did that hotel scene better. The whole wholesale scene I thought was better with the remake. Um, oh, okay. I just I think they, that. Uh, yeah, they, they gave a little bit more meat to that scene, and it worked. It was, you know, again, it was essentially like remaking Psycho. It was almost scene by scene, but it was good. Um, and then they, they, they improved on it here and there, and uh, that was a, that was a good scene. Yeah, but no, I definitely, I, I do think he was. I do. Th- that's my opinion. I say he was sick and that he was, whatever. And yeah, I mean the the fact that he he looked like he was just like an, a couple hours away from have just being given a death notice, you know, a death sentence. By yeah. A 
something. He's just in a funk. He's in a funk. Yeah, and, and I, there's something, you know. Yeah, and there's something there in that backstory. I would love to find out what it was, but you know, again, we're left with that mystery, and that's what just part good. of what makes this movie so good. Totally. But yeah, the semi scene, fuck me running, man. It's so <laughs> it's so harsh when he's just like <clears throat> he's playing with the clutch and just letting it creep and creep and his the 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 whatever he's tied her up with, it almost looked like steel cable, but it was probably rope or something. But yeah, the okay. cable that he's got her tied up with is just pulling more and more taut. But and he's just like, take the gun. He's like, I won't make a move for it. He tells him straight up, go ahead, pick it up. You know, we're good. I'm not gonna make a move. He tells him, put it between my eyes. He does. And he tells him, just pull the trigger. And he can't. And he's like, I can't do that. And he's like, she'll die. And the way that Rucker Howard looks at him mm-hmm. is the look of complete and utter disappointment. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, you are worthless. But and then he just. It's like desperation. Oh. It was just desperation. Yeah. And I just love the, the look that he gave him. It was just like, mm-hmm. Really? He's like, I have. It's almost like a, a a teacher looking at his pupil and going, "Have I taught you nothing?" Right. You know, you expect exactly. him to almost say, "Yeah." But yeah, poor poor Nash. She gets pulled in half, and I thought they handled it really well. I mean, I'm a gore hound. I love me some blood and gore on every level, but I think again, this is not that kind of movie. Right. They don't show anything. They just show the the tires roll, the foot come off the clutch, and everything just. You don't need, if it's if if that to me is a sign of a good filmmaker though, because you mm-hmm. don't need to show that if it's handled right and if you know if you're skilled like that, and you can play with the audience's emotions. You don't need that. I mean, you really don't, and it comes out really, you know, effective. Yeah, it it does, and again, like I said, just a. Mwah, another chef's kiss that is just yeah. fucking great. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and then they, they essentially have Howard. They have him in there. Yeah. You know, exactly. I mean, this is we're c- coming in towards the end of the movie. Everything's coming to a head here. And uh, and we get Armin Shimmerman, who is a great char- character actor. Mm-hmm. I love yep. him. And a lot of, I mean, uh just a lot of video games, a lot of TV series, a lot of like cartoons, a lot of voice work, like a lot of shit, a lot of stuff. Uh, most most notably, I remember him from Star Trek: D Space Nine. That's what I recognize him from. I'm showing my nerd, my sci-fi nerd cred right there. Yeah, I know who he is, but I don't know him from that. Like, yeah, just it's just someone that you always see around. You're like, oh yeah, it's one of those working character actors. It's like, oh, he's yeah. been in a couple hundred things. Exactly. But uh, and Halsey says to him, he's like, you're not going to be able to hold him. And he was right. Yeah. I, I love the fact when he comes in, he's like, I want to talk to him. And right before that, uh, and I want to know what your thought was when he looks at him. He's like, uh, and he's looking at him through the, 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 the mirrored glass. And Esteridge says to him, he's like, yeah, we don't have any idea on him. We don't even know the guy's damn name. And that's when he says John Ryder. And he says it, you know, whispers it. But Howard turns and looks at the mirror mm-hmm. like he hears him. Like, mm-hmm. do you think he heard him? Do you think he Ooh. sensed him? Or do you think that was just, I, you know. I, I think it was an eerie coincidence. But again, the fact that um, 
you said that people were some of the theories of people were playing up some of the mystical whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you, like I said, watch the second one and then you may, it, a good sequel to me enhances the first film, brings out stuff that either can help the first movie or that will clarify stuff from the first movie. And I think by having a second movie, I don't think they had this in mind, but it inadvertently kind of puts some of this stuff into perspective. So seeing it through that after seeing a second film, I, I maybe think of it a little differently, but I think overall it's uh it's just an eerie coincidence. It really is. You know, like he can't possibly hear that. He can't possibly, or can he? That kind of thing. Yeah. Or a, could he? Right. I, I don't know. I always like to think this, like to think that he did notice it, but you know, yeah. who knows? Yeah, Might have been exactly. a ha- happy coincidence. Right. But exactly. uh, the only part of this movie that I really don't like, and I, I, and this is just a personal thing for me. I hate it in movies when people spit in each other's faces. I just find that gross and abhorrent. Yeah. I can't. I can't stand that. I, I I hate that when in a movie or a TV show when somebody hocks a loogie in somebody's face. It's just like, you know, I can watch somebody get disemboweled and get the split in half. It doesn't bother me. You spit in somebody's right. face, and I'm just like, oh come on, man, too far, too far. Well, he was playing with it too. Yeah, that's so the like, thing that I noticed about Howard, uh, and especially here revisiting some so many of his movies here in the last month for the Appreciation Month is he is very hands-on and very touchy with, with things and objects. He uses his hands quite a bit in a subtle way where he may not be saying anything or doing anything, you know, with his face or with his words, but he's touching and he's caressing and he's... And, and think of this too, this is not the first movie he's been like that with. So, you no, know, no. that's again the mark of a phenomenal actor is that, you, you know, some actors, you... Um, I'll give you an example too, but like... There was a lot to the character, but even like Leatherface, for the original Tex Chainsaw Massacre, not mm-hmm. not dissing any of the other actors that are were great. There were some obviously that were better than others with the Leatherface role, but um, not really aside from grunting and moving around here and there, but emoting with your eyes. I mean, that's what you had, and you convey through a mask, and you know, um, to convey any kind of emotion or, or any kind of to get any kind of response from the audience through your eyes only is insane. So taking that um, as, as one, you know, situation and then looking at Rutger Hauer, who could do that with his eyes, but like you said, can do that with his hands, could do that with whatever you're acting different ways. And that's a really important quality to have, to be able to, to do that and not be a one note performer. There's a lot to that. And there's a lot to not having to, you know, I'm always trying to push myself by doing stuff like that because it's like I've I've gotten much better in the films that I've been in over the 10 years that we've been doing them. But I, I wish I could just have some of those layers, you know, just be able to do something like that, other than screaming at the top of my lungs or scrunching <laughs> my face and having that one reaction or whatever. That's just, Wait, you're saying you, know, you scream a lot when you're in your movies? <laughs> never. Never. Never, but but you know what I'm saying though. It's just I like, do too. I, I resort I resort to screaming and yelling yeah. quite a lot and getting bombastic. Yeah, that's, but... that, that, does that does that substitute for good acting? No, it doesn't. But that's the emotion that I have: either quiet or yelling or you know whatever. Um, it, and and it's just to, to have to see actors act and perform at that level in so many different ways. It's just very very impressive to see. It really is. We were... and he's great. We were reviewing the first movie we did for 
uh, Power Appreciation Month was um, Surviving the Game, which I I did a review with uh, Daniel Goad. And we were remarking about, again, how he gets very hands-on and touchy-feely with stuff and objects. And there's a scene where he's interviewing Ice-T in that, and he just randomly picks up a pair of nail clippers and starts clipping his nails. And I'm like almost willing to bet money against, you know how they say, willing to bet dimes against dollars that, you know, that was something Howard just did. Yeah, I don't I'm think sure. it was scr- I don't. I'm sure it wasn't scripted. It was one of those that's just like, yeah, he's like, I'm going to clip my but fingernails while more, I'm talking. She even makes it more uh, impressive in the moment. Just doing that is just very good, you know, making something out of nothing. That's great. And like I said, great actor. That's like I said, the reason why we're here. But yeah. speaking of being the reason why we're here, we're at the end. We're at the end of this movie. You know, and there's not much left. That There's only about, what, five to seven minutes left of this movie. They take Howard away. They're taking him in a prison bus and a transport. And you can see him looking. He's watching the cops, you know. Yeah talk he's watching them play cards or solitaire you know and he's biding his time he's waiting it's like the one time you get to see the inner workings of writer's mind like he's he's waiting he's anticipating and you know of course you know uh halsey is being taken to wherever they're wherever esteridge has taken him i can't remember in the movie where he was supposed to be taking him to 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 go to, you know because he was free to go mm-hmm. and he takes Estridge's gun and you know steals the cop car and come and he's he's following he, he just knows he knows nothing's gonna stop this guy and of course as soon as he rides up on the back of it he hears gunshots and what comes rolling out the back of it right. Rucker Hauer leaping leaping like like a madman <laughs> through the windshield with no concern for himself getting all cut up and all he says is Hi, kid, and then smiles at him yep. as he lands in the front seat. It's a great scene. It's a yeah. It's it's. I don't think like in the first time I watched this when I was watching this that I expected Ricker Howard to come leaping out the back of the. I figured you know the bus would stop and there'd be a shootout or something. Right, or something, right. But see him kick open that back door and just come leaping through out the back door into through the windshield. It's like <laughs> fuck yeah, fist pump. You know, that's my boy right there. <laughs> right. But uh, the final moments they have, you know, when they're in that, you know, Rucker Howard's laying in the middle of the street, street, you know, after he hits the brakes and, you know, Rucker Howard goes flying out, the, going back out the windshield that he just dove through. And he's just firing, you know, just randomly firing. I think, you know, again, not trying to kill no, Jim no. Halsey, just toying he really with wasn't. him. He could have killed him in the first two seconds when they met. Just think about that. Every opportunity he's given Jim to fight back for his own life. Um, and, you know, he's, he just doesn't want, I don't think he's a killer either or not wanting to be a killer. He's obviously a killer, but I think he um, is driven to that. He's got no other, he's back into court. He's got no other options or feels like he's got no other options. Right. Right. But like, (laughs) I I have to say when, you know, Halsey runs down, uh, John Ryder with the with the truck hits him, sends him flying asshole over apple cart, right? And then he goes up, takes the shotgun, kind of nuzzles his head with it, see, sees that he is. I'm using air quotes here that you can't see that he's not breathing, and uh, walks away. And then Rick Howard throws the handcuffs at him at his feet while he's standing behind him, and again, oh. just smiling, 
doesn't say anything, doesn't give some grandiose line, some big right. speech or nothing, no James Bond stuff. He just stands there and smiles while Halsey turns around and pumps what that must have been like a halo type gun because I never saw anybody fire 17 rounds from a shotgun like that before. I'm just saying it's like it's a halo gun. It's like, again, I, I can't fault the movie for it. It's movie logic. They never count bullets. They never do it. But, uh, you know, he, he's again, sends him flying asshole over apple cart with the shotgun blast. And this, it's too bad that in the final moments of that showdown, it is very intense, but well, you know, is. Yeah, and, and 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 another nod to another nod, another dig at the audience, another um, you know, another way to keep the audience unnerved is um, he barely leans against the, I guess he leans against the truck, right, with the sun coming down or whatever. And, yeah, that um, that weird silhouette shot against the barely, background. Yeah, barely catches his breath in the credits roll. Like there's no reprieve from it. There's no happy ending. It's like that's it. There's no wrap up scene that usually has a, you know neatly you know it'll fade out and show up the next day and now they're you know whatever no it's just ends right there and that's all it needed to do and it's almost and like an old um, powerful end. it's almost like an old universal monster movie it's like once yeah. the monster's dead the movie <laughs> is over but it's roll. that's it and the one note i have here and i know this will do, probably get explained in the, the sequel since jim halsey does pop back up i'm like too bad that in reality jim halsey would have went to prison I, I'm like, I'm saying this because he did, you know, steal a, co- uh, a gun from a cop. He stole his cop, the cop car and he murdered, you know, he might have been a bad guy, but he murdered, you know, John Ryder. Like I said, he pro- probably, you know, like in reality would have went to prison or at least would have spent some time in prison, if not the rest of his life. So it wouldn't have been a happy ending for him. For him. Right. Well, the only thing I will say, because I won't spoil anything, but um, they explain the time passing and what happened basically okay. so i gotta watch it i know i've been talking for the last couple of weeks yeah. that i'm going to and i just <laughs> i can't pull the trigger and do it no it's good it's really good it, it really is good I no, th- like I, I said i think you'll at least like half of it Definitely. i like I probably like the so. first half and then probably not like the second half uh i just don't know i love the whole thing but i don't know we'll see i'll give it a Let chance it's been it's been enough years it's been out for almost 20 years like I seriously like 2002 it. or three or something yeah I think I just looked at it and I was like, Jake Busey replacing Rooker Howard as oh, the hitcher. He's good. Like I can't. Good. I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. I'll, I'll have to break down and watch it here soon. <laughs> um, I do have two bits of uh, trivia about this that I thought were noteworthy that I want to give here before we give in, get into our final thoughts and, and ratings. Uh, Sam Elliott was actually uh, the front runner to play John Ryder. And when he had did his uh, audition that the the producers were literally scared to go back out to their car because Sam Elliott had given such a scary audition that they were afraid of him. But for whatever reason, he ended up getting another part in another movie at the time while waiting, you know, with the audition process and couldn't do the movie. So thus it went to Rooker Howard. Wow. I, I would like to see an alternate reality where Sam Elliott played this role. I would, it would be interesting to see. But I think they made the right choice. I, oh, I, I, but it still would have been interesting. And in earlier drafts of the movie, when it was written in the script, John Ryder was to have an electronic voice box that made him sound like a robot. I did hear something like that. That would Excuse be weird. Yeah. 
Oh, it's very late. Yeah, we're, we're burning the midnight oil no, here. No, that's fine. I'm I'm up for another three, four hours for God's sake. Oh, probably about another three hours. I'll probably be up another two because I know yeah. I'll probably do some writing when this is over. Yeah, exactly. But that was my little bits of trivia. Um, so you know how we do things around here. You've been a guest enough times. We usually do a summary of our thoughts on the movie and do a rating on a scale from one to ten. And you know guest goes first, so have at it. I was to say one thing is that um, thanks for having me on again. Of course, always. It's just, oh yeah, it's always a pleasure. Like brothers, so anytime. Yeah. Um. So he has had such a long storied career with insane roles and 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 big variety of work, and I think that the only thing that I want to see even comes close to rivaling rivaling it. But if anyone wants to see something else of him again, is a great effective psychopath. See a movie called Past Midnight. It's a great movie. I've and seen it's it. Very, it's very little. Uh, it, it has not been seen much for some reason, but um, definitely worth tracking down. Very good. Not nowhere nearly as violent as The Hitcher, but it's just Rutger Hauer's evil, creepy, manipulating uh, best. He's great in it. So check that out. Because um, wasn't Clancy Brown in that as well? I think uh, I know Natasha Richardson was in it. I don't remember yeah. offhand who was. <laughs> yeah, um, sorry. it's neither it here nor there, but yeah, yeah, it was yeah, a no, good one. I remember that. It's a good one. That was um, one of the first films that Quentin Tarantino worked on, by the way. Okay, there you go. Yeah, he was a script doctor on that movie. I remember <laughs> reading in an interview many, many years ago. But sorry, I digress. I digress. No, 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 no. That's cool. I like that. Good idea. Good, good stuff to interject. I like. It. <laughs> uh-huh. So, so um, I just think if the if the Hitcher maintained its complete. Uh, momentum through the entire thing i would have given it a 10 um it falls off a bit in the middle but it picks up again at the end uh i a series n being just such a cult classic i'm just gonna have to be really generous with this one i'm gonna give it a 9.5 out of 10 I, it's a great movie that holds up and um it, it doesn't get boring with any repeat viewing the performances across the board, even the smaller roles, are solid. It's filled with um, memorable scenes. Just a, a total, true horror cult classic. Uh, I'm going to match your 9.5. That's exactly what right. I had written down here, because as much as I love it... Now, Rooker Hauer is a 10 out of 10 in the movie. Right, right, right. But the movie itself is, is a 9.5, because I, I feel like there are some pacing issues once you hit about the midway point, you know, and I, I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. And I feel like even though the Nash character was necessary, it was necessarily, especially for the development of Jim Halsey's character to have someone there for him to identify to with. Right. Yeah. To play off of, to identify with and to care about, to care about. And it never becomes like sexual, you know, between them. It's right. just, they, they just become joined. And uh, I love it. They you both know look I mean? lost. They both look lost and they need each other. So that's perfect. Yeah, exactly. That's a good way of putting it. They do look lost. And, you know, it's one of the ultimate movies uh, showcasing just how doing the right thing sometimes can make your life a living hell. Like doing the right yeah. thing by helping a guy on the side of the road that looks like he needs a ride. And then it turns out. I don't, it's I don't your... do it. I don't do it. Yeah. I don't do it either. <laughs> I won't do it. I, and, and this movie is to blame. So if anybody I've ever passed by that was had their thumb up in the air and was literally like lost and needed some help, I, I'm sorry if I fucked your day up. But, man, I, I ain't stopping for nobody. Well, the, you know, and, and obviously you can't say you're going to 
you have to just um you have to um suspend your you know your belief with this film it 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 it, it asks a lot of the audience but that being said the, the 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 little the little issues that I do have with it and they're they're there but the the rest of the movie is so good that it kind of negates some of that but um hence my 9.5 rating <laughs> but there's just some things that are just stupid and 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 stupid just to uh for the sake of forwarding the plot and um I feel like the writing for this film was better than that so it it, it it's I have problems with that um but overall i mean it, it's the rest of it works so well that those end up being such minor issues but they're there so it's i can't quite give it a perfect reading yeah very few movies get a full 10 out of 10 for me you know it it has to be something uniquely fucking really really special for me to give it a 10 out of 10 because i'm i'm just a nitpicky motherfucker i just i'm not at all though my my th- my entertainment threshold is very low, <laughs> but I'm still the same way. It's like no, it's it, you know, if certain things rub me the wrong way, uh, I can't, you know, I can't do right. it. Now I got to ask you one quick question though before yeah. we go, before we call this an evening. Is this your favorite Rooker Howard movie, or if and if not, what is your favorite Rooker Howard movie? Um, yeah, it is. It okay. Is. I figured as much when you when you picked it. I figured you would pick your favorite, but I had to ask. He has some good ones. He's got a ton of good films, but yeah, it, it's my favorite. But like I said, I think Past Midnight is probably a close second. Yeah, it's very uh, underrated. There was another one he did around that same time uh, as Past Midnight. I want to think it. I want to say it was called The Blind Side. Blind Side, yeah, Blind Side. Uh, Rebecca DeMornay and Ron Silver yeah. was in that. That was another movie that was very similar in theme to that. Yeah, that's a good one. But yeah, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of underrated flicks out there. I mean, my God, I mean, Rutger Howard was in how many? I was going to say he was in close to. close to 200 it might have been like 170 175 or something like that but he had a great body of work he left us with a, a lot of entertainment before he passed yeah, and, away you know there's there's a lot of films out there that don't that exist before 2000 kids so you know netflix there's life outside of netflix and streaming yep it's pick, physical media yeah pick up the physical copy of something you know if if the hitcher comes out on blu-ray since it's hardly streaming anywhere besides a uh, hbo max Pick up a copy on DVD when it comes out. Pick up a get, copy on Blu-ray. You will not be disappointed. Ass, get your ass to video store. They're still around. Find one. Drive to one. Get your ass out. Yeah. Get get your ass to the store. Buy a copy. Do it on Friday night because we always remember video store was lit on a Friday night. It was always lit. Mine is now. I do the same thing. I know that sounds so stupid. I do. I, I'm like, Kim, what do you want to watch tonight? She tells me. I go into the room. I take an hour looking around. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. I know you you got a, a a movie room to be envious of, man. I mean, I got a, a quite a select, I got quite a collection, but I don't have the setup that you do. I aspire to have the setup that you do. I'm just running out of room, but yeah. I think Patty would would agree that I'm probably running out of room and I need to stop collecting so much. But I, I am showing no. If there's one thing in my life I am not slowing down for, is is that's not going to be one of them. Amen. Amen. 
With that being said, I think we'll stick a pin in this one for the evening. Do you have anything? Uh, I, I know you got something coming up that you want to plug real quick before uh, before we go that's uh, near and dear to you. Yeah, you're involved in it. We're actually working on Cool Summer 2. Basically, Cool Summer was our new 80s slasher flick that um, has been getting decent reviews. It's still actually pretty good rating on IMDb because, you know, people are such so rude but it's got a good rating on imdb right now which is pretty good i think it's holding steady at a seven uh 7.0 which is good um but uh it's been a while getting it out there because you know it just takes a while for these indie films to to get out there but it's going to be released on vhs blu-ray dvd and streaming all within the summer and the fall everything's coming so keep an eye out and this may and june we're filming cool summer two That'll be out probably shortly after that. So keep an eye out. We got stuff moving. Karen, Cameron, I know you're involved with that one as well as first one. Yeah. Um, yep. So awesome. Always honored to have you on board. And uh, I'm always honored to die on camera for you, sir. <clears throat> exactly. Looking forward Not to seeing that you. Spoiler alert, but you know. <laughs> it's a horror film. Everyone's going to die, right? Everybody's going to die. And if they don't, then what kind of movie are you watching anyway? Exactly. Exactly. It's always fun times, man. I, I look forward to it. It's a tight, tight script. I'm, I'm looking forward to shooting it. I'm yeah. also looking forward to being in, in Florida for, a, you know, a good week. There's, there's oh. not, never, never hear me complain about coming down to Florida to visit you. <laughs> <laughs> With that being said, I want to thank you again for giving me a you know a good hour or two of your time. And I you know it's usually hard for us to get together and do these things, but uh, I appreciate the time and you, you coming on Record Hour Appreciation Month. Had blast, man. Anytime, of course. Right on, right on. Well, folks, I want to thank you all too at home that are listening. Remember, uh, this is about this is going to fall in about the middle of Rucker Howard Appreciation Month, so we still got several more of these coming at you. Uh, if you like what we're doing, please uh, click on the Podbean account, like us, subscribe, go on Apple, iTunes, uh, Pandora. Spotify, Stitcher, iHeart, you name it. We are wherever fine podcasts are sold. We're even on Amazon right now. And so go on the Facebook page. We're pretty active on there or on our Instagram page. Um, and click like, link, subscribe, all that good stuff. It really helps us a lot. So thank you, folks, once again. You have been listening to Cinema Degeneration's Rooker Hauer Appreciation Month. What do you want? the knife you'll stick me with it before i can do anything that's right so what have you got to lose stop me